Jürgen, Jürgen, Jürgen. Why the rotate decision? I've not heard excuses this bad since OJ Simpson. Klopp won't want to let the grass go under this defeat, so this week the Anfield outfit hit Brighton Beach searching for the win. Hopefully for him there's not too much wind. Huddersfield's survival will be hard if they don't beat Cardiff. Being knocked out of the cup, Wagner and Warnock will be hoping Lady Luck visits. This six-pointer could result in Wagner being dismissed. Few thought Newport could be David to Leicester's Goliath, but the Foxes were catapulted by the Minnows' triumph. Back at the King Power, they welcomed the injury-plagued Saints. Danny Ings out with an ankle complaint. Leicester with a full-strength team will be expecting to win at ease. Welcome back to the first episode of 2019 of the Fans Bet's 12th Man. Uh, as ever, I'm joined in the studio by Tom Lee. Hope you all have a good Christmas and New Year. Uh, if I sound a bit croaky today, that's because I've been overindulging over the Christmas period. How about yourself, Tom? Did you have a good time off? I have lived a, um, a very, very plain, minimalistic existence, kind of not dissimilar to a monk, a bit like, a bit like, <laughs> my, a bit like my hairstyle for 2019. Uh, but anyway, looking to get back into the groove uh, on this very first 12th Man podcast of 2019. Good to see you again. Yeah, you're like, looking I mean. healthy, even if your voice sounds a bit gravelly. So um, you can make up for that by giving us some winners in the weekend Premiership football. Loads more to cover as well. Stick with us because we'll go through the uh, La Liga calendar in Spain for the forthcoming weekend. And hopefully we've got a bit of a hand grenade for the weekend horse racing as well. So that will be at the end. The big race at Warwick on Saturday is what used to be known as the Classic Chase. It's a three mile five marathon. Those with a, a lily liver need not apply properly. It's the tough boys who go for this one. So uh, literally, those who are waving the, the white flag at the end of three miles, there's still another five furlongs to go. So it's one of the longest races of the year. I think we might have cracked the code. So we'll come to that in a bit. Uh, stay tuned till the end of that. Uh, so looking forward to the Premiership, obviously, over the Christmas period. There's quite a lot of changes in terms of managerial positions. Obviously, Ole Solskjaer took over at United. Did you have a highlight over the Christmas period at all uh, in terms of sporting events? Um, crikey, that's really hard to weigh up. I was at Leopardstown for four days doing TV work, actually, 26th through the 29th of December. Um, three days before the Christmas, obviously, Solskjaer's first game. I thought United were brilliant at Cardiff. The handbrake let off. Football with a smile on their faces. Um, there was one great thing amongst many at Leopardstown, and that was a victory for an old boy called Simply Ned. Uh, who last year won a grade one race in the stewards room there. Basically, there was a bit of scrimmaging and bumping and barging in the latter stage of the race. He passed the line second and was awarded the race. This year, didn't need the stewards' help. He turned up a year on, a year later on with people saying, surely he's too old to do this. Drowns them. So he's training <laughs> Nicky Richards, took him all the way over from Cumbria, crossed the Irish Sea with good measure. Tell you what, with good reason, uh, because they, uh, they, they they took a, quite a few scalps there. So uh, real shrewd performance, but... Loads of sport to choose from. Look ahead, though, young man. Don't worry about reflecting. Look ahead. It's winners we want. Indeed, but we have to look back to look forward. Uh, let's look at the first game this weekend. We've got West Ham versus Arsenal at uh, West Ham. How do you see this one going, Tom? Tricky, this, because West Ham seem to be a little bit of everything, don't they? They sit in 10th. You see the way in which they've still a minus goal difference, and yet they've won a heap of games. Eight, eight victories already, already this season. Arsenal, ugh, what to make of Arsenal? Um Underneath everything, they're still Arsenal, aren't they? So you never quite know what's coming. Unai Emery, we've said this time and time again, has improved them. And yet, it sticks in the memory. The way they just folded up and said, don't fancy this at Liverpool. 5-1 defeat. Ouch. I know, I know the current Liverpool team has obviously got its attacking prowess and strengths. But it looked as if halfway through that, they just said, you know what? Nah, 
don't fancy this. So I know since then they've got back into gear and beaten Fulham and they had that easy stroll at Blackpool in the FA Cup. Yeah. But I just don't trust them. Even with Emery's brilliance in the dugout, even with all those good players, there's just something underneath that's still all a bit Arsenal. You see the way they found a way to lose that game at Southampton a couple of weeks before yep. Christmas as well. So West Ham, in and out, you never quite know what you're going to get with them either. For that reason, maybe, I don't know what you think, but I'd probably go the draw, which is bigger than 5-2 to two with fans bet, nearly 11-4. to four. Maybe a value play for a game that will be on the TV, perhaps a way to help enjoy it. I'm just going to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> leave, leave that in. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, this sneeze was brought to you in conjunction with Fans Bet. <laughs> Sponsoring sneezes. We are committed to sharing 50% of net profits with fan groups and 50% of Dave Scott's germs. Proceed. Uh, West Ham, the new players that they brought in this season, I think they're, they're starting to gel together, but there's been rumours of Arnautovic. Uh, there was a 36 million bid, wasn't there, from China? So well, I don't that's know correct. how. That's, that's swirling around in the press today on Thursday that Arnautovic could be making his way to China for crazy money. And I think his goals, this, I think it's about 8 and 14, is it? This I hear you, but if I was Arnautovic, no way in a million years would I go and play football there when I'm doing well in a Premiership team. Um, it just to highlight those in and out results, they lose at Watford, they win at Southampton, they lose at Burnley, they draw with Brighton, they beat Birmingham in the FA Cup. It's something different every week. Sure. Proper Jekyll and Hyde outfit, bit like Arsenal. That's why I'm going for the draw at a value price. Yeah, I'm going to go for a West Ham win on that one. What odds have we got on West Ham to win? Uh, West Ham victory on the Fans Bet website at this very moment. If you fancy the Hammers yourself, uh, they're 3.4, so they're 12 to 5 in old money. Cool. Uh, Brighton versus Liverpool. Liverpool have lost two on the bounce now, obviously with Wolves and Man City. We expect can they can Brighton beat them? Can get get any points? Do you think Brighton can beat absolutely, buddy, <laughs> literally anybody on their own turf? I, I rate Brighton. I like them. They play, it's, a, it's a neat, compact stadium, tight pitch. Uh, they generate a bit of atmosphere down there. It's a long journey for Liverpool and. This is the kind of game where suddenly, with a bit of doubt creeping in, I know they made a lot of changes, but, but they did bring the big guns on against Wolves and they couldn't retrieve the game. All of this nonsense about it was windy. What on earth are they talking about? The excuse book. Absolutely. And then, of course, the defeat against Manchester City, which, to be fair, could have gone either way. But what does that do to the, to the psyche of that group of players in the dressing room? They were invincible. They're very uninvincible right now. So Brighton are a good team. Maybe they don't get the credit they deserve, but it, it's not a complete mistake that they're 13th in the Premier League, which some people, wrongly in my opinion, still argue is the top league. So they're no longer tra- championship stragglers. Uh, they're the real deal, Brighton. So they're a good team who play some very, very sharp football. Uh, Brighton are just bigger than seven to one. Seven and a quarter oh. to one. Um, the draw is 11 to two. And Liverpool are three to one on. In the current groove, for all the brilliance at Klopp's disposal, they're away from home and they've lost two straight. Surely there's got to be a bit of value in the Seagulls uh, to at least get a point. I'm not sure they get all three. But I'm a backer of the draw at eleven to two. What do you reckon? Yeah, eleven to two is fantastic odds. I just think with the they've not been beat all season uh, and then lose two in the balance, it's the, men, the, the mental effect. The, the other side, it's it's the frustration because it, had they won at City, ten point gap. Suddenly it's a four point gap with City having s- stuck nine past Championship Burton. Uh, league one Burton I beg your pardon so when you look at it that way you think suddenly I know they're still top of the league good luck for them but 10 points 
is greater than four points, shall we say, in so many ways. So I just wonder, they, they look like sitting ducks to me. I think City are going to come and eat them up quite soon. <laughs> Keep an eye on that one. Uh, Burnley versus Fulham. Burnley seem to, your man Sean Dyke seems to have a bit of resurgence. I don't even know why you're bothering to ask me about this one. You know very Burnley well. Burnley 12-0. <laughs> no, no, in, in, incorrect. And that's, where, and that's where you should know me so much better than that because we know with Burnley, they're unlikely to win by, by many, but you know that I always believe they will get the job done. You talk about that resurgence and that's precisely what it's been. And it's been an impressive resurgence as well. So I think with everything in their favour this weekend, with a bit of momentum, with a bit of confidence, you see the way in which Deitch has finally got an old clock to tick again. It's taken a bit of time, but you know with Burnley, they'll always bounce back. Paul Robinson told us on this very podcast not that long ago that it would happen. Uh, 1-0 to Burnley. It's 6-1 to one on the FansBet website. Uh, Fulham, well, we've documented their struggles on this show. Uh, they sit in 19th, whereas Burnley in 16th, but looking as if... The only way is up, in the words of Yaz. So I think when you kind of study that and you think to yourself, uh, are Fulham going to have quite enough? At the moment, doesn't look that way. Whereas Burnley, up into 15th, they've escaped that relegation zone. But also just look at those more recent results. The win in the FA Cup, the win away at Huddersfield, vital in a real fiery game. They managed to beat West Ham at home. And suddenly you forget about the defeat at Arsenal. You forget about Everton stuffing them 5-1 on their own pitch. You forget about that sickening late winner for Tottenham down in London when it looked as if they'd managed to chisel out a point. And you go back to early December where they were making Liverpool sweat and they were beating Brighton. So that's three victories in their last six in all competitions. And I prefer to look at that. I beg your pardon, four victories, even better. So when you look at it that way, here's a Burnley team that are really having a resurgence. They don't score many, but they do do enough. They won last time out 1-0 against Barnsley. I think it'll be the same again here. Viva Sean Dyche. And, and obviously Fulham got beat by Oldman in the FA Cup during the week. Uh, this is the sort of game that Ranieri must be looking towards to, if they have any intention of staying in the league, that they should be getting three points here. It, it, it is a potential six-pointer, would you say? Correct, because don't forget as well, and you're absolutely right, because ever more so, don't forget also this weekend, a game we're going to come on to is Cardiff City against Huddersfield. So within that, you've got 17th against 20th. So all the more important, therefore, that 19th against 16th, uh, one of these two teams should make an impact. But to my eyes, there's only one winner here. You can get egg on your face, but... Sean Dyche leading Burnley into a New Year resurgence. 1-0 uh, to the Clarets. I completely agree with you. I think Burnley will win that. Uh, Cardiff versus Huddersfield. Then let's go from one relegation battle to the other. Yep, Huddersfield are pretty much, I think, they're, they're down and out. I can't see them. I think they've only, scored, they've only won two games all season, not scoring enough goals. Cardiff, uh, Neil Warnock and all, uh, they got knocked out of the cup during the week, but they've got the stronger team and momentum with them to stay up. Well, this is it because actually, um, talk about those bottom teams. Huddersfield have got... 10 points, so they're worse off anybody. They are rooted to the bottom, and yet they don't have the worst goal difference of the, of, of the, of the section either. They're minus 24. Fulham, who we've just been talking about in context of their trip to Burnley, uh, they've got minus 28. And the next worst, ironically, is Cardiff, yeah. minus 22. Uh, whereas you're looking at Southampton, who were in 18th, they're only minus 17. So um, Cardiff seem to have in their own limited way, turned a corner. Uh, they're out of the bottom three. They're two points clear of 18th place Southampton. I know they probably, I don't know, is it a blessing in disguise that they lost at Gillingham in the FA Cup? Um, they were completely outclassed in terms of what they were up against against Tottenham, a game I watched. 
on a very pleasant New Year's Day afternoon. But aside from that, you see the way that they managed to go away to Leicester, who'd only just beaten Manchester City, and win. Uh, they managed to get a point on their travels away at Crystal Palace. Uh, they managed to beat Southampton in early December. Slowly but surely, the, the canny, wily Warnock is just managing to lift his players and just get the points where they need them. This is a classic example. Cardiff, not by much, but by enough. Uh, odds on that game, incidentally, if you're having a bet with fans, bet 5-4 to four Cardiff, 21-10 uh, to 10 the draw, 9-4 to four Huddersfield. So... The bookies forecasting that it's going to be tight, and rightly yeah. so. Cardiff to do enough, five to four. Uh, next up, Crystal Palace versus Watford. A uh, bit of a mid-table clash there. Palace are safe from relegation, you'd say, by now. Yeah, fourteenth against eighth, uh, and yet Palace starting to get going a little bit in dispatches. Watford maybe perhaps just sort of floundering a little bit in in sort of mid-table obscurity. Something that actually give the majority of Watford fans the, op- the opportunity to uh, embrace that and I think they'd probably say yes please um, for all that you think actually as a broader sample of their results since, since the start of December it's really quite impressive they only lost by the odd goal in three against Manchester City they drew away at Everton uh, that victory at home to Cardiff City not by much they, they were impressive I thought when they went to West Ham Chelsea managed to get the better of them but again only by the odd goal in three um, draw at home to Newcastle was okay draw away to Bournemouth was okay and they got the job done away at Woking so they're hardly a team lacking on confidence for all the, a few draws in there maybe holding them back from going even higher uh, whereas Crystal Palace uh, you see the way that they've managed to pick up somewhat winning away at Wolves that was a really good result as well uh, they made Chelsea really graph for the points I guess they probably would have been frustrated they couldn't beat Cardiff but that fantastic win I think the thing that really stands out is that 3-2 win away at Manchester City that nobody at all saw coming I was at Haydock Races that day and I got back and I was I had the game on the radio and I'm thinking is this for real I mean they're 2-0 up away at Manchester City what the heck is going on here and prior to that of course they'd, they'd beaten Leicester so two good sides I think really compliments to both of them uh, Palace having a good spell Watford certainly not struggling um, and probably the, the majority of Hornets fans would have snapped your hand off to be eighth going into the new year so uh, good luck to them probably not much in this <sighs> which way do you play very very difficult if you force me to have a bet again I'd probably take the draw at nine to four uh, Palace six to five at home Watford nine to four away not much in it Two fit and informed teams, two good outfits who are well managed. So nine to four, the draw for me. It should be a decent spectacle to watch that as well. Mm-hmm. They've got both, both teams like to play football again. Agree. Ball on the ground. Uh, Leicester City versus Southampton. Uh, Leicester were doing doing so well until they came up against Newport and knocked out of the cup. But I know Poole dropped uh, a lot of players because he's concentrating more on the league, which was an odd decision really because if you look at the relegation, it doesn't look like Leicester are going to get dragged into that. So why not give the fans, you know, try and go on a cup run? Or is it a bit of arrogance that he didn't play play a fully strength team? And obviously Southampton go to Leicester and I think Danny Ings is out and they've got a few other injuries when when they go to the King Power Stadium. Completely. Um, Leicester not one to rely on with your life savings, shall we say. And they are a touch of odds on. They're 19 to 20. But Southampton threatened to have this great resurgence under new management, but they're still trapped in that relegation zone. Um, Probably frustrated to get a draw away at Derby. Uh, Good point away at Chelsea. Not good enough at home to City. Uh, Undone by West Ham in between Christmas and New Year. But a good win at Huddersfield. Great win against Arsenal. 
and that sort of sums up the new the new management regime. Um, they're definitely not sunk without a trace. They're still they're still fighting, and of course that means still a threat for the likes of Cardiff and Burnley. Uh, but of course we've already discussed the fact that both of those two can pick up three points. I wonder is this the weekend where actually the screw t- starts to turn in the wrong direction for Southampton? Leicester being a tricky tricky place to go seventh. Maybe the thing is that they're eyeing the possibility of European football next year because it's not that long since we think back to Leicester playing the likes of Sevilla and Atletico Madrid and making a great fist of it. Yes, it was a damp squib away in Newport, but maybe you don't give enough credit to Newport County there. On the other side of it as well, don't forget that only five days before that, they'd gone to Goodison, a really hard place to go, and managed to win. Bit of a strange performance at home to Cardiff. But prior to that, they'd beaten Manchester City. So I think they'll they'll probably put the squeeze on Southampton here. 19 to 21 for the accumulator, maybe. What about you? Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, bad weekend for Southampton when we're looking at the other relegation uh, battles that are going on because they could easily get swallowed up and then lose ground. It. As I say, this is it's a big weekend, isn't it, for relegation? Vital, teams. absolutely vital. Because just, just to surmise again, Leicester, Southampton, Burnley, Fulham, Cardiff, Huddersfield, all games that look likely to have a big impact on what happens in May in terms of teams heading south and those surviving. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like Southampton in terms of the players they've got uh, available to them. I think they're far better than the teams that the players, you know, that surround them. I like the manager. Ralph Hasenhutl seemed to be a, a very impressive recruit and you see the way they got immediate response to that. But perhaps that early fizz is just starting to come out of them now. Honeymoon period's over. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up's the 5.30 kickoff on Saturday. Chelsea versus Newcastle United. Sarri ball against Benitez. How do you see this one going? Um, I thought that Chelsea were very unlucky in midweek not to get something out of Spurs in, in the League Cup. VAR. Yeah. Uh, yeah, completely. But if you see the, the, the amount of the ball they had. and They were the better team, right? Yes, they were, clearly. Absolutely no question. And Paul Robinson, who fans bet ambassador, 41-time England goalkeeper, 137 appearances for Spurs. One goal, don't forget. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a few clean sheets in that as well. But he was covering the game for TV. He said to me, it was a bit of an injustice, really. I mean, he's obviously got Spurs loyalties, but he said it was a game that they probably got away with and will have further struggles in the second leg. Um, Whereas when you're kind of eyeing this up and thinking to yourself, Chelsea, are they going to be that unlucky again? Chelsea sitting, don't forget the, the disparity in league positions here between these two because Newcastle 15th going away to fourth place Chelsea with a three-point break on Arsenal and I just don't think Chelsea can be that profligate again. Although, don't forget they couldn't take their opportunities against Southampton the other day. They only got one when they won at Crystal Palace. They, it was a bit of a squeeze past Watford so they're, they're obviously not really, really flying at the moment and pumping teams three, four and five. But this is a great opportunity to restore confidence because Newcastle this season, again, as people predicted, it would be. And the manager himself pre-season was saying, I think we're a couple of players short here. This is going to be a long campaign. Minus 14 goal difference, uh, 18 points right now. That only puts them, what, four points above, uh, I beg your pardon, two points above Southampton, who are sitting in 18th on 16 points. And those most recent results as well for, for Newcastle, you just look at it and think, this is going to be a long campaign. They don't need an FA Cup replay against Blackburn, but mm-hmm. they've got one away from home. They didn't get a lot of the ball at home to Manchester United. Uh, one all the way to Watford was OK. They had no answer to Liverpool on Boxing Day. Nil-nil against Fulham. That's the kind of game you've got to be winning to guarantee safety. I know Geordie fans will rightly say, well, we did go to Huddersfield and get the win 1-0. 
but prior to that, I think the one that really concerned me was that 3-0 hammering at home to, well, forgive the pun, but the hammers <laughs> on the 1st of December. I mean, that was just hopeless, that display. I mean, the crowd was streaming out early on, really frustrated because uh, no options off the bench, no answers. And prior to that, it looked good for them because they had three straight wins, but all that momentum's been eaten up. Go back to November, you're thinking to yourself, these are going to be easily safe enough. I think from memory, they beat Watford, they beat Bournemouth, they beat Burnley, and it looked really good for them. But December, disaster. It's an odd situation, isn't it, Newcastle? Obviously, the, the, the rumours of the takeover have been looming over the last few months. Seems uh, to go on and on and yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And I'd like Benitez has stayed there far longer than... I guess any, either of us expected him to be. He must be on some wage packet to to carry on that job because he's a man with a, a good pedigree. Yeah, he's, a, he's he's managed at Napoli, Real Madrid, Chelsea, Liverpool. Man, he doesn't need the Newcastle job. I think don't, they, they don't, need him don't, more. Don't leave Valencia out of that. I know it's a long time ago, but he won a European trophy with Valencia yep. 15 years ago, and he's a man of intense pedigree in European football. I think. Do you know what? I think he likes it. I think he likes the crowd. I think he likes the culture of the club. I think he likes the fact that the Geordie fans, starved of success, keep following their team. So I do think he's a true football person who gets a buzz out of being part of that club and trying to at least keep feeding the habit, if you will. At yeah. some point, they're going to get back to 23 years ago when they led the table at this point in time and looked as if that incredible team of Ginola and, and Aspria and well Aspria was the thing that actually broke the mould because if they'd have kept a settled team with the likes of Lee Clark and Philippe Albert and if they'd have kept those that, that glorious attacking talent with Les Ferdinand leading the line if they hadn't brought Aspria in and had to accommodate him my theory is that they would have kept grinding out wins but spend several million pounds in that era sure. on Aspria a sort of madcap Colombian who his antics are legendary if you didn't have to accommodate Faustino Aspria, brilliant as he was, I think they'd have definitely won the league, irrespective of Cantona's goals for Manchester United. I just don't think they'd have looked back as it was. The thing that, that unsettled the formula was Aspria. And I don't know if people acknowledge that, but surely that was the thing that upset the apple cart because that allowed that bit of instability and sudden disruption of the rhythm allowed United to start eating away at the points. And as soon as that wobble came in, not unlike what we're talking about with Liverpool losing two games. Suddenly, as soon as there was a wobble, they were never able to right the ship. No, that's a really good analysis. Um, I know quite a lot of Newcastle fans and Tino Asprilli's looked on quite fondly, so I don't know if they share your, your opinion think, on that. Uh, well, there's one thing looking on fondly. I, I remember Asprilli fondly because he was a mercurial, dynamic, brilliant player for the Premier yep. League, especially in the era. I remember him taking Keith Curl on against Man City. And yeah, of course. And, and there's also stories about him being a sort of gun-toting, sort of um, colourful, shall we say, (laughs) madcap character back in his native Colombia. Um, There's that brilliant story about the stolen horse and what have you. And listen, I I would love to have a night out with Faustino Asprey. I'm not sure I'd (laughs) live to tell the tale. But the point being, was he the thing that actually disrupted a a previously successful formula in Keegan's Newcastle in 96? I would argue very strongly that he was. Uh, so do you, do you, see, you don't see anything else back from a Chelsea win then this uh, weekend? Oh yeah, that's a very good point. Sorry about <laughs> that. I got a bit swallowed up in my um, my, my red herring about Asprey. Apologies, folks. Um, Chelsea win routine. Yeah, I can't see anything different than that. Let's look forward to Sunday. And obviously, Oli Solskjaer against Pochettino. Uh, potential new, Both potentially Manchester United full-time managers come the summer. Well, there's two ironies here because, yes... Uh, there's the managerial debate, but there's also the fact that Manchester United fans 
come four months' time, could be relying on Tottenham Hotspur to save their bacon. Because if their team ain't good enough to win the Premier League, might they be hoping that Spurs are, and therefore saving them the otherwise gory spectacle of having to watch Liverpool or Manchester City pick up the title? We know which one of those is viewed as the greater evil for United fans. (laughs) But Spurs are a good team. Take nothing away from them. I know they're very up and down, i.e. they either win or lose. They haven't drawn a game in the Premier League this season, um, which is a sort of peculiarity. 16 wins, 5 defeats, 0 draws, uh, plus 25 goal difference, which is miles behind either Liverpool or City, both of whom are plus 39. Um, So that's clearly a difference. And also, obviously, they're six points behind a very good Liverpool team. Um, I think United reborn under Solskjaer with the handbrake off and just with a bit of, little bit of a smile on their face collectively, shouldn't be undersold. However, let's not forget that Spurs beat them easily in this fixture last season at Wembley Stadium. Let's not forget that Spurs battered United on the break at Old Trafford back in August. So on recent form, it can only be a home win. But that doesn't take into account the managerial change and the freedom United are playing with. I think this will be a great watch. That probably is foreboding that it's going to be nil-nil. Nonetheless, (laughs) um, I think it'd be a great watch. I think both teams will score. I think both teams will get a point. A draw with goals with fans bet 100 to 30, 4.3 in decimals, whichever way you want to wrap it up. Uh, great watch. Sit down, enjoy, crack open the popcorn and the, the Budweiser <laughs> and enjoy yourself. Popcorn watching the football, where do you live? Uh, <laughs> I live in downtown Milwaukee. It's not strictly true. Yeah, but chicken, uh, chicken wings and Budweiser. This is a family show <laughs> for family purposes. Therefore, some listeners may have a preference for popcorn, so stop being a bully and harassing me. I apologise. Uh, I'm going to go for a United win. I think um, Spurs will, weren't fantastic against Chelsea during the week. Obviously, United fan, I've got that little bit of bias. But it's just fantastic to see them play with that little bit of swagger. Seriously, and, you're going United win away yeah, at Spurs. I am. Uh, although we're talking... a. a free-flowing, attacking Spurs when they, when they really get the bit between their teeth. Third against sixth, home advantage. There'll be Spurs fans spitting out their Nescafe right now <laughs> saying this this fella is completely on a, on a red herring that is never going to be lived down. United to win away at Spurs. United to win that's away a, at Spurs. That's a bold claim. 5-2 to two is, is the price. Spurs rightly favourites. 21-20 to 20 against uh, the draw. 5-2. to two. United 5-2, to two. so Spurs very strong favourites, rightly so. I'm going for the draw with goals, just to reiterate, 100-30. to 30. I, just, I, I just think United will set up completely different. I know you were talking about Spurs um, when they've been beat the last couple of times, but I think, I think this time it will be a case of us trying to outscore Spurs rather than trying to I stop agree, Spurs scoring. But I, I agree, but Spurs have got... Uh, we, we did a show yesterday with Brian McClare and Paul Robinson uh, in the sort of the, the white and the blue camp, if you will. Um, both of them made variations of the same point if you say where will the game be won or lost who clearly has got the stronger defence Spurs no question Trippier outstanding at fullback uh, the centre backs look at the strength in depth they've got a centre back Vertonghen Alderweireld for starters up against look at their parallel numbers Ashley Young Darmian Dalot um, Jones Smalling Rojo um i.e. if he's not neither suspended nor injured. Uh, okay, you can't play all of those, but Spurs have a definitely a stronger and more consistent group of defenders. So that's something that United, if they go for the pace up front, if they go for Lingard, Martial, Rashford, great. And, and I would be very welcoming of that with United sympathies, but still they've got to find a way through that outstanding Spurs defence. And even if they do... 
They've got a player who's coming for a bit of flack since the World Cup final, Ugo Lloris in I think he's a brilliant keeper. Really, I think outside of David De Gea, he's, to my eyes at least, I think he's the best, the best stopper in the Premiership still. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even, I had like, like Addison Ellison. Like him very much. Uh, Allison's obviously a really good player and will be for many years to come, but Lloris has the pedigree. Um, people were surprised when he went to Spurs and didn't go to a, an even bigger club. Um, but I think it's been a good move for him. He plays every week. Maybe he hasn't got that rival to keep him sharp on his toes. Perhaps they haven't got a good enough number two there. Even so, you look at the way in which he has the really the inspiration of having been a World Cup winner. I, I just think he's a wonderfully consistent player. I know there's been a couple of little mistakes and the whole drink driving thing. He's a human, for goodness sake. He's allowed to celebrate. He just won the World Cup. Hello. <laughs> uh, so I'm not. I'm not. I'm not encouraging what he did. Clearly, sure. it was. It was. It was wrong, and it was to be frowned upon, and rightly so. But crikey, he's such a good keeper. I don't um, know, you disagree? I disagree. I'm, well, no, I think he's a great keeper. I just, I, I just think United are going to have momentum and I really buy into Solskjaer. Uh, let the, long let the honeymoon continue. But it's obviously going to be his difficult, big, biggest task since he's got the job. Critics but, will say, I'm just putting this out there, critics will say his managerial achievements extend no further than some youth team, fo- some reserve and youth team football, managing Mulder in Norway and taking Cardiff down in 2014. Well, he's already equalled the amount of games that he won with Cardiff at United. And rightly so, given the players at his disposal exactly. and the opposition faced. Is this not the week that Spurs fans may say, hang on a minute, come on, mate. You're telling me that a United manager who's been gifted an easy start, the likes of, with respect, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Reading, Bournemouth, Newcastle, that those are all games that Manchester United should be winning with the spending power and the players at their disposal. And with respect to all the teams they've beaten comfortably, this is a big old step up. Spurs with the home crowd, with, with the with the obviously excellent players and the, and, the, and the very impressive Pochettino marshalling them with the win in midweek. This could be where suddenly reality bites. I, I see where you're coming from. I was just really encouraged by, I thought the Newcastle game was, because Newcastle set up quite stoutly and we managed to break them down. And that's been something that we struggled with under Mourinho, having that creative spark to, to get behind the back line. Uh, so you're going for a draw. I'm going for a win. I'm going for the draw with goals. Draw with goals. Score draw, 100 to 30. There's the value, in my opinion. Uh, you are going for something even more ambitious. A Manchester United away win at 5-2. to two. Uh, You and I, for personal reasons, would be very happy if that, if that occurs. <laughs> yeah. Spurs fans, I readily acknowledge that you will be shaking your heads listening to this. Um, fair play. Let battle commence. Be a good game now. Uh, let's see what uh, Everton versus Bournemouth. Ever- Everton uh, owner this week has come out and said it's the, the results aren't good enough, nor is the league position. The, the football on the pitch seems to have improved rather than what it was under Sam Allardyce but the results just aren't there how, how, how are you seeing Everton versus Bournemouth and Bournemouth as well they, they've been I think they've lost the last few four games yeah um, Everton are a funny one aren't they because at what point do you sort of say hang on a minute they've got lots of good stuff on the horizon they've got the move to Bramley Moore um, they do on occasion play some real good football but they're still a nearly team I think that's fair to say because in, in recent memory I can I can summon up wins at home to Brighton and Cardiff. I can think of them uh, winning in the FA Cup the other day at home to Lincoln City, all right? Probably not a classic. But on the other side of that, you've got them losing at Brighton. You've got them getting unpicked, the lot getting picked to Goodison by Leicester City. You've got them getting absolutely tonked at home to Tottenham Hotspur 6-2. But on the other side, they go to Burnley and win 5-1. Not an easy thing to do. So... 
they're a bit of everything. You don't trust them, but this is probably a great time for them to respond to some of that criticism and play the team directly next to them. Don't forget this is 11th against 12th in the Premier League. Um, Bournemouth, quiet by their standards, I think it's fair to say. Um, they got walloped on Boxing Day by Spurs. Then they got a bit of a chasing at Old Trafford 4-1. Um, OK, they managed to respond by getting three in a high-scoring draw against Watford, uh, but since then turned over in the FA Cup by Brighton. So... It's not a sunny period of the season because it's only a few weeks ago. Liverpool went down there and got four as well. Um, Everton to respond to that criticism with a narrow but nonetheless necessary home victory, uh, which were you to invest some of your hard-earned cash on the Fans Bet website, uh, the odds would look like this. Uh, Everton 8-11, to draw 11-4, to Bournemouth 7-2. to 7-2 so, away. 7-2 to away from home, but in a sticky spell. I, I'm going to go for the Bournemouth win there. I think Everton just seemed really suspect at the back and uh, I think Bournemouth, strong team and I like the way Eddie Howe plays football, a lot more stable um, than Everton. Um, let me throw this one out there. Um, apologies if again you think that we've been on the brandy snaps and the wine, <laughs> and, and the wine gums. Um, Eddie Howe, potential future manager of Manchester United FC. Discuss. You want me to do, uh, we've discussed that before Christmas. Uh, I, I think he's a fantastic pedigree. That was before Christmas. You might have changed your mind now. No, I want Oli Solskjaer to get the United job. No, 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 no. That's not what I asked you. Potential future <coughs> manager future of Manchester United, United Football could, Club. That uh, might be in two months. That might be in two years. That might be in five years. Well, I could say he, he's very... I think he's got to do the same sort of trajectory as uh, Pochettino from Southampton to Tottenham to Man United. Or uh, I think he needs a club in between. I don't think the step's too big to go for Burnley, fa- Burnley fans get very upset when this is mentioned because they say he was a dismal failure there. But one swallow doesn't make a summer. And if he was a dismal failure at Burnley, he's a he's a colossal success overall at Bournemouth. Well, and, and, and that's why I buy into the Solskjaer thing. Obviously, you can only play with the players you've got in, fr- in front of you. But uh, Sean Dyche plays with the players to their strengths at Burnley, whereas uh, Eddie Howe's had more of a in control about the players that have come in. Obviously, he spent a lot more money at Bournemouth than he was allowed to at Burnley. Dave, what about... Um, and time is tight, so we won't, I need we won't to go dwell on this I'm, too I'm, long. Yeah. Uh, however, um, what about Eddie Howe, potential future Arsenal manager with his footballing pedigree and his style? I see. I thought that might have been the one to go a bit before Emery signed to, to Arsenal, um, but it didn't happen. I don't, again, I don't think Arsenal fans would have warmed to it too much. He, he's got a bright future ahead of him. I think he even admitted himself he's probably two, three years off uh, taking the next step from uh, Bournemouth. Um, but I, I can see him going to a to, to a bigger club. Uh, I don't think it'd be United. Emery seems to be getting things right. Arsenal, you know that they give him quite a lot of time. And then the last game of the weekend, uh, well, it's Monday night actually. Manchester City taking on Wolves. Um, Wolves have been. I don't know. It must be a bit. Further, sorry, I'll start again. And the last, uh, and the last game of the weekend is uh, Man City versus Wolves. If you're a Wolves fan, are you frustrated this season because you you know how well the team can play and then they'll they'll lose silly, uh, silly games, but then they'll have fantastic fantastic results like they did against Liverpool. They're already punching above the weight. Have they already exceeded expectations, or can we see them going into Europe? Scotty, if I was a Wolves fan, I'd be absolutely living a dream right now. Ninth in the Premier League after years of frustration. Lest we forget that in the last few weeks, just think about this. Wolverhampton Wanderers, who've, who've, who've frequently missed out on promotion from the Championship after playing some really good stuff. They've beaten Chelsea and Wolverhampton. They've won away at Newcastle United. They've beaten Bournemouth at home. OK, they didn't have an answer to Liverpool, but forgive them that one. They drew at Fulham, 
maybe it's a measure of how far they've come that they were disappointed not to win that game away from home against proven premiership opposition, albeit having a bad season. Then, out of nowhere, they go to Tottenham Hotspur at Wembley Stadium and dismantle them on the counter 3-1. Then, maybe they blew their cheeks out and and had a party on New Year's Eve. I don't know what, because... (laughs) They were woeful at home to Crystal Palace. But then they beat Liverpool in the FA Cup, for goodness sake. So there's a bit of something for everyone in there. Great to watch. Never quite know what's coming. They can give a hiding to really good teams and then then lose against more moderate ones. But it's truth. They're ninth in the Premier League on merit. They're in the fourth round of the FA Cup. They're a good team to watch. Um, Love to beat Man City, though. Yeah. um, My view on City is they've had their wobble. They've got it out of the way. And now they're going again. Look at the team that they could play against Burton in midweek. I mean, wow. It's truth. Kevin De Bruyne coming back in, getting the minutes under his belt. Gabriel Jesus leading the line. I know they played a, a different goalkeeper and they, they changed the back four up a little bit. But the front six was just sumptuous. And, and and I know it was, and and with respect, but I mean this in the right way, it was only Burton Albion, but they filled the boots and got nine. So that means they're in the, in the groove. Yes, they're four points behind Liverpool, but just imagine if Liverpool, as we've predicted, only get a draw against Brighton. Suddenly you're looking at a weekend where they can close the gap to two. A gap that could have been ten suddenly becomes two. Uh, will they pass up an opportunity to dispatch an excellent Wolves team I don't think they will so uh, the prices reflect that City well they're a horrid price they're six to one on so the, the market's really dismissive of Wolves and it shouldn't be six to one to draw Wolves 14 to one wow. which is a nonsense price I mean it's crazy price for a team as good as Wolves albeit City will win this one and maybe just maybe if we're right against Brighton and Liverpool and Liverpool are now in their wobble whereas City have been and gone where that's concerned Gap will be two points this time next week I I completely agree that City will win I think um, they're going to find their feet now and it'll be to just pass each other like ships in the night Man City and Liverpool in terms of their form guides Agree Uh, Let's move over to La Liga uh, what we got this weekend then, Tom? Okie koki. So, I'll give you a canned version. We won't um, bore you by going through absolutely everything. What <laughs> we will do is say that the Friday night game, Rio Vallecano uh, against Celta Vigo, Vallecano finding their feet, uh, wins against Valladolid and Levante, means they've won their last two. Um, they only went down 1-0 at Real Madrid. 4-5 draw no bet, Rio Vallecano up against the Celta Vigo team who flattered to deceive really so um, that's a bit of a safety first bet but 4-5 to five, and you get a refund uh-huh. if the game is a draw so take the 4-5 to five, Rio um, Saturday the first game on the slate the midday kickoff Leganes against Huesca um, Huesca remarkably <laughs> managed to beat Real Betis last weekend a rare ray of light on an otherwise awful season it was only their second victory. They've got the worst goal difference in the top flight. Uh, Leganes on a pretty good run. They beat Alaves. They beat Valladolid. And they're a solid, spiky team who are hard to beat. I think they look a pretty solid proposition. I don't think Lightning will strike twice. I'd be really surprised if Wesker have it in them to win two games on the bounce, even after the Christmas break with that little bit of uh, a rest in the legs. So Leganes are even money. But fast forward to Sunday night, the late kickoff. This is the one that the whole of Spain will be watching. Uh, Real Betis against 
Real Madrid. Wow. Embattled Real Madrid, who, goodness me, what on earth is going on there? Santi Solari in charge for the time being, but it's really not happening for them. They're down in fifth. They're 10 points now off the lead, having flirted with getting back into it. They huffed and puffed in midweek in the Copa del Rey, eventually winning 3-0. But going into half-time before... Uh, uh, Sergio Ramos scored a penalty they were looking really quiet again you just can't you just cannot trust them at the moment um, Betis they're a bit of everything they're six they're madcap entertainers one week they'll win 5-4 the next <laughs> week they'll lose 1-0 in a game where you'd have put your shirt on them so as I say they managed to lose against Wesker which nobody at all predicted in the universe uh, but under Kike Setien he's got this really really exciting group of players uh, Benito Villamarín is an incredibly intimidating stadium to play in if English opposition ever get drawn there and you're listening to this and it's your team do one thing that's do yourself a favour and go because rarely will you see a better atmosphere than this in European football. So um, they turn up, they watch their team through thick and thin. Um, it probably tells a story that they've scored 21 this season, which is a lot less than people expected. But they've only conceded 21 as well, so goal difference zero. <laughs> They're a bit of everything. You, you, I mean, you, you, you put it in the tombola and you shake it about and you never know what's going to come out with Betis. Um, for that reason, up against this frail, broken Real Madrid team, Zidane saw the saw the impending doom and got out at just the right time after winning the Champions League. Uh, Betis Madrid, two teams, neither of which can be relied on. So I think Betis to win in a game where both teams score. Hard to see either keeping a clean sheet. Betis on current form, despite that that odd loss last week, are just a better team, much better to watch. Uh, so just shy of 4-1, to one, Betis to win, both teams to score. Game of the weekend in probably in either league we've just discussed. Sure, I'm looking forward to that one. Let's just uh, touch on Real Madrid, the situation there. Obviously, Jose Mourinho has been linked to the last week, uh, going back to the Bernabeu. Uh, Modric has also come out saying that the, play, the, the problems are behind closed doors rather than on the pitch. How do you, what, what's that, what is happening? Yeah, you say that, but then, but then, yeah, this talk about, about um, uh, Mourinho going back to reassume control, and then Sergio Ramos coming out saying, if Mourinho comes, I go. So, I mean, that is a... Is that what he said, yeah? I mean, I mean that is really a, a uh, an iconic figure at Real Madrid, the club captain coming out and saying that is quite a statement. But go through their recent results, they're a mess. I mean, that, I, that's that's not... That's not uh, to take away from the fact that they won the Club World Cup final against Alain. Um, so, I mean, that's a, another great gong for them. But domestically, the results are all over the place. And I mean all over the place. Since the resumption of the winter break, I alluded to that Copa del Rey game where Leganes, who I think will beat Wesker on Saturday at midday, they went there and made them really graft for a 3-0 win in the Copa del Rey first leg. Prior to that, uh, last Sunday, I mean... What on earth? Real Sociedad, who are having a bad season, turned up and beat them 2-0 on their own patch. They couldn't beat Villarreal away, which in previous seasons you'd always expect them to. Um, they could only beat Rayo Vallecano 1-0. Um, CSKA went there on match day six of the Champions League and humped them 3-0. They won 1-0 at bottom team Wesker, who just looked like a Segunda team. So something ain't right. And even if Modric comes out and says that, well, if problems behind the scenes... The players ought to be able to insulate themselves from that and go out and play football with freedom and with confidence. I mean, we're not talking about youths here. We're talking about proven international campaigners, the likes of Luka Modric, the likes of Sergio Ramos. So they spent big. 
and it ain't working for them right now. So Isco looks strangely out of form. Casemiro looks as if he's about a stone overweight and has been spending too much time with um, Diego Costa. <laughs> um, it's peculiar. It's really, really peculiar. I don't know if those two hang out together, but neither of them look in the best physical shape. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, something's just very wrong there. And for that reason, I think we can capitalise and, and get a nice tasty bet out of Real Betis on Sunday night. Uh, speaking of tasty bets, we will close off in our customary fashion with an idea about this weekend's horse racing. Uh, 13 horses are declared uh, for the marathon race at Warwick on Saturday, the 3 o'clock. Traditionally known as the Classic Chase, this year it's known as the, and this really trips off the tongue, the McCoy Contractors Civil Engineering Classic Handicap Chase. Uh, to you and me, the Classic Chase, over three and a half miles of the journey, three miles and five furlongs. As I've already said, 13 horses declared. Uh, this is a race where traditionally novices have done quite well. But this year, I'm not sure any of those younger, inexperienced horses jump off the page. For that long trip, I don't want to be carrying too much weight. I want proven stamina and I want a horse with good course form. I'm going to give you a horse who, at Warwick, has won previously over hurdles. He's won over fences. In this race, he's been second previously. Um, also, he comes off the back of a really gutsy game battling uh, win at Cheltenham at the December meeting. Uh, plus, I can give you, uh, for the same horse and for the, for the same pound that you might choose to spend on him, I can give you a second in the Scottish Grand National two years ago, which is run over four miles. So ability to go on the ground, tick. Ability to handle this course, tick. Ability to stay further than the massive long journey, tick. Uh, trained by a really, really sharp man in Nigel Twist and Davis, tick. Experienced rider in terms of his son Sam, tick. So everything looking good if you want to have a pound or two each way on a horse called Kogri. Kogri. That's number eight. C-O-G-R-Y. Um, yeah, trained by a man who's been there and done it and done the whole hit. Cheltenham Festival winners, Grand National winners. Um, Stable had a couple of winners recently. So you've got everything there for your money. I think he ticks all boxes. You need a real bit of good fortune as well to win a race like this. Um, 12 months ago, he turned up in this race, slightly lower in the ratings, ridden by a different jockey. He didn't quite get home. Uh, he was second, so he's not only got course and distance form, but, but in this very race, stays further, goes on the ground, experienced rider. Everything looks set fair for a big run from Kogri. So I would anticipate come the day he's going to be something like eight or nine to one. So back wow. in each way, he's the kind of one where you can have your pound or your fiver each way and know that when they're turning in, one of those very likely still, still to be in there, scrimmaging away, grinding away, still with the stamina, the petrol light not yet flickering on empty, is Kogri. So C-O-G-R-Y, Kogri, number eight in the three o'clock at Warwick on Saturday. Fingers crossed for a bit of good luck there. I look forward to that one. Just when, just um, David's novice uh, knowledge about horses. Yeah. What makes you choose to not to, to is it on the Knowles way, but you put a bet straight away um, to win? Much, that's value conscious, so it depends how risk averse you are and how much you want to get a return. So I'm quite aggressive traditionally. Um, I normally people will say is a rough guide. Um, in a race like this, it's going to be, because it's a handicap and there are 12 or more runners, uh, the standard industry the terms dictate that if it's a handicap of 12 to 15 runners, you get a quarter of the odds, the one, two, three. So let's say he's eight to one and he's second. You're getting a quarter of eight is two, two to one a place. So you have a, say you have 10 pounds each way on Kogri at eight to one. 
So he doesn't win. So it's £10 each way. £10 win, £10 place. So the £10 pl- to win, gone. Yeah. Lost that bit. However, this is the good bit. So a quarter of the odds of place. Let's say second like he was last year. So you're getting a quarter of the eight is two. Ten times two plus the ten. So 20 plus your stake is 30. So your £10 each way cost you 20. Your return is 30. Uh, so you need to be... Some people would say they'll, they'll, they'll still do that at lesser odds. And then if the horse is second or third, they'll get most of their stake back instead of all of it. I w- to me personally, I, I will at those prices entertain an each way bet. Uh, but if you're backing the horses, obviously at the big festival meetings at 12, 14, 20, 33, 50 to 1, and you do get winners at enormous prices in these very, very elite races, then of course you want to give yourself a chance of getting a nice payout. Because of course, at 50 to 1, for example, if you get a quarter of the odds at 50 to 1 and the horse finishes third, Absolutely brilliant. Imagine imagine how pleased you'd be ordinarily if you backed a 12 to 1 winner. You'd be beside yourself with pleasure. So, of course you're going to do that. Whereas if the horse is, just as a very novice guide, if the horse is even money or 5 to 4 or 6 to 4 or 2 to 1, it seems unlikely that it would be worthwhile in most people's reckoning having an each way bet. Sure. Because, say, a quarter of even money is 25 pence in your pound. So... If a company if a company goes into receivership and they give the sh- and they give those who are invested a sort of a payout of twenty five pence in the pound, you'd think you've got a raw <laughs> deal. So look, you're looking for the value. You're looking to cover yourself and give yourself the best possible chance of winning and get a po- getting a positive yield and return. Which, however, you're investing, whether it's stocks and shares or indeed a bit like the betting ring is the stock market of horse racing, you're giving yourself the best chance of getting that that positive return. So Kogri each way eight to one. He's number eight in the three o'clock at Warwick Saturday. Let's hope for a bit of success there. You are not going to get any better inside knowledge than that. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next week for more 12th Man. (laughs) 